the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and so appreciate all of your response on social media. I, I have such great assistance, and so I really appreciate you kind of just validating the work that they're doing. So thank you very much for that, and I'm glad you are getting just some inspiration from it. So I, I decided to talk today about probably the script that started my whole career here at Salem on radio. And that was this idea about guaranteed value and that humans are guaranteed value. They are valuable regardless of the circumstance they're in, regardless of what their past is, regardless of what their name is, even if their name isn't known. They are guaranteed value. And so... This really comes from the heart of God, whether we will give him credit for it or not. That's where that compulsion that humans feel for life. So in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 3, this is out of the Message Bible, and this is what it says. It says, living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. You see, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Now, I am all for giving back to God because he's given so much. But at the same time, you have to recognize that the whole impetus of this, the whole way in which you are able To even give back to him is because he gave you life. And no matter what you do with your life, 
you are guaranteed to be valuable. So I, I remind clients frequently when I talk about this that, you know, we have prisoners in um, maximum security prisons that are going to be executed. And maybe they have harmed children, which is the worst, and sex trafficking and things like this. And maybe they murdered a child. And, and so we're going to execute them. Well, we sterilize the needles that we kill them with because humans are valuable. So even in death, we want to do it right. Even in death, that they most likely deserve in many ways, we're going to do it right. So I want to give you an idea of how I came to understand this concept. And I will give you a little caveat that no matter how many times I understand it, I don't always feel it. And I don't always live it. And I don't always really believe it. Even though in my head I believe it, I know it's true. I don't always feel it in my gut. So in college, God was really impressing upon me to give my life to him. Now, I was raised a Christian um, but in my arrogance, and I have to tell you, it's quite embarrassing, I actually said to God, well, you know, I'm not really sure if I want to do that. You're probably going to have to convince me because I think I want to keep my own life, and I'm pretty confident about where I'm going, and I kind of um, think I got a good gig, and I want to keep moving in, in my direction. So he uh, certainly convinced me to give him his life, and I really don't recommend saying this to God. However... He knows me, and this is maybe the way my process goes. So he graciously accepted my rebuff, did not harm me, did not get angry with me. He just said, okay, I'm going to give her some time. You, you go do your thing, Cynthia. You go take the world on in your way. You prove to me how much you don't need me. So my undergraduate degree is in fashion merchandising and design. It's a miracle I graduated from college because I told my father I didn't need a degree. I was going to be a rock star. And, I mean, whatever that means. So after graduating from college, I was offered a job as an assistant buyer for Robinson's May. And that, I was 22 years old, and I was responsible for 21 stores in Southern California, from San Diego all the way down to Santa Barbara. It was a very stressful year, filled with so much struggle and disillusionment. And so I came back to God and I said, well, I hope you still want my life because I want to give it to you now. I know <laughs> that I've messed up and now I want to give it to you. I know I've probably trashed it. I do hope you still want it because I know I don't want it. I don't want it this way. And so this is where I really want you to understand that I said I was really sorry about that. And he asked me to give my life to him two years prior to this. And here I am after I have messed it all up, still hoping that he wants it back. I really didn't think I had anything of any value to offer him. And I couldn't comprehend that it was actually just me that was of enormous value to him. And so I want you to think about this, that God has a way, and he is very, he has a very strong ego. He is not easily offended, thank goodness, because we can be quite offensive people. And so Proverbs, this is 1921, it says, we humans keep brainstorming options and plans. 
but God's purpose prevails. So I had so many ideas about what I wanted and what, quote-unquote, my way was. And not only was I going in the opposite direction that God had designed me to, to do, I boldly, I mean, I had some nerve. I said, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I want to go my own way. It's frightening to think that I was this arrogant and naive, and I'm thankful that God knows me and knew my heart. And so even when I was singing in nightclubs in college, I was still telling people about God, about Jesus. And I'm so thankful that he understood me, that he knew me. And he did not judge my process. See, God was showing me how valuable I was to him. That no matter what I was doing, no matter how far off the grid I got, even when I was, quote-unquote, pretty much going rogue, right? He loved me and was watching out for me. And he was making sure that his best plan for me would happen. And so I'm now very confident about this beautiful verse in Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I can see God's faithfulness as a thread that I can trace throughout my entire life. Even when I was faithless, he was and is always faithful. So when I, <clears throat> excuse me, when I talk to people about being made in the image of God, one such area is that of being an evaluative, volitional thinker. That's how God made us. This means that any level of intellect I have the capacity to evaluate and choose how I respond. Now, intellectual capacity and trauma often determine how well I choose, and especially trauma, which steals or hijacks our ability to really choose well. So what this all means in regards to my story is that I wanted to go one way, and God had another way. And thankfully... In Proverbs 19.21, his plans prevail. He says, he says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. And so I knew that because of my talents and abilities, that having, and my personality, my temperament, having a career in the music industry seemed the most natural, logical course for me. But God really knew that although it might have seemed right, it would eventually lead to my death. And this is when I've talked before about finding out who my biological family was, and that this is my father was a very proficient, prolific musician, uh, entertainer, warmed up for Stevie Wonder. He has written many books, and he died a very terrible death. He had lots of addictions. Both sides of my family struggle with that. And so God knew my DNA. <clears throat> and so I need to understand that I can take responsibility for the fact that I am a volitional thinker, and I must also realize that my rationale is human. And if I want it to be healthy and wise, it needs to be connected to God. <clears throat> because it, if it's not connected to the source of all truth, then my rationale appears right to me but can eventually lead to my demise. So what this told me about God is that he thought of us. Then he thought about what he wanted to do. Then he chose what to do and ultimately acted on it. He chose to create me. He chose to create you, knowing full well 
the history. He, know, he could look all the way into the future and see what you and I were going to do, and he still created us. And from love comes the subsequent valuing of something or someone. See, God isn't impulsive or reactionary. He has big feelings. I mean, let's think about the flood, right? That, those were some pretty angry feelings God had. But this is where it's important that when I know me, and I know my value, I am better able to be authentic, grounded, and centered. Then my behaviors will then be the outcome of who I truly am versus who I'm thinking I am or hoping I should be or could be or ought to be. See, God wants me to be a concrete, concrete, physical manifestation of who he is. And one of the things about being made in the image of God is apprehending the notion that God thought about me, he wanted me, he chose me, and he acted on it. That's guaranteed value. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about how to walk this out, how to really feel and claim that guaranteed value. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Haya, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today, and thank you for telling your friends about the show. And I want to make sure that you remember that we have um, all these neat study guides that one of my assistants has created, and she's done such a great job, that go along with the show. So if you weren't able to listen to the show in its entirety, you can go back on the website, you can listen to the show, and it kind of helps you to stay centered and, and maybe get something out of it that you might be surprised about. And so this, this uh, title, Guaranteed Value, see, the two words in this title and their subsequent meanings are very important to humans because humans have many needs, but two very important emotional, psychological needs are the need to feel that they are important, that they're special, that they have worth, and to be able to depend on these feelings being true. This is why God reiterates over and over again throughout the Bible how valuable we are, that we have great worth. And furthermore, we can believe this with complete confidence. See, God died for us. That's how valuable we are. So when God makes a promise or a statement, we can trust that it's true. He keeps his promises, and his word is good. And he is always true to his word. He wants us to believe and depend on the statement that our value is guaranteed, and it is not a performance issue. It's not about the way we perform or how good we are or what we offer society or how righteous we are. It has everything to do with the fact that you are a one-time occurring person. That you are the only one that can be successful in the way you can be, and you're the only one that can fail like you can fail. So our world establishes value based on what you do, who you know, how you look, what you own, how much money you make, etc. Not on who you are. Furthermore, In our world, your value can change as easily as the stock market changes from day to day, right? 
So what does the word guarantee tell us? Well, guarantee means that there's something behind it. There's something backing it. So when I think about value, what does value really mean? See, when I want to learn something or understand a concept in a deeper way, I like to look up what the word really means. And it helps me see it in a different and deeper way. So when I look up the word value, this is what I found. Estimated worth. Excuse me. Purchasing power. The quality of a thing which makes it more or less desirable. A thing or quality having intrinsic worth. It's intensity. It's estimating the value or appraising something. To think or highly value something or someone. And so when God is saying that your value is guaranteed... What he says is that I determined the value of you. I estimated your worth. I looked at the quality. And I'm saying you have intrinsic value. And it's guaranteed. See, I I realized after reading the definition of the word, in order for something to be valuable or valued, its value must first be established. So who establishes value? Well, if you own something, you determine how valuable it is. And if it was valuable enough to purchase or to work for, it has value. Well, how about the creator of an object or an idea or a process? They value. The creator has valued what they have created. How about the purchaser? How much does it cost to buy it? That many times tells us what the value of something is, is how much it costs. And then the word commitment, the committed person. How committed are you to what you say you value? And so when we think about what establishes or what proves value, well, we see that Anyone that's going to work for something must value it. Time. We give something time. That's one of the ways we value it. We put effort into it. And that establishes value. So this is really important when we think about that God establishes my value because I belong to him. But even when we didn't belong to him or choose him, even when I didn't belong to him, I hadn't chosen him yet, even though he chose me, he loved us and he died for us all. This is the proof of our inherent value. Think about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for all the people that had already been and all the people that are happening in that moment and all the people in the future like us. So because of my own life story and being adopted, I enjoy teaching about identity and our value in God and our understanding of how we're made, that we are wonderfully complicated beings. And this particular issue of value is imperative that we understand this because it's one of the areas that the enemy attacks us in the most, whether that be ourself being the enemy, other people that feel bad about themselves are, are now our enemy, whether it's our, our standards whether it's our past, our present, our future, whether it's how we view ourselves, 
See, we establish value, and the enemy of our soul is constantly attacking our value. So one of the things I want you to think about in, about in terms of being made in the image of God is that this is in and of itself an indicator of instilled value, whether you like it or not. See, whether you know God or not, he knows you and values you. If I'm made in the image of God, there's an implied infused value. So what I want you to think about is if any of you have children or pets, right, you don't determine whether or not you love them by how, po- po- like how popular they are to other people. They're just valuable to you because they belong to you, because they're yours. They came from you. You go to the ends of the earth for them. If somebody doesn't like them, you may not be happy about it because you know the impact it may have on them. But somebody else's opinion of them doesn't change their value to you. See, we are God's children. We don't have to do anything to be valued. Just as your children, your pets, don't have to do anything to be valued by you. Now, this is really important when we think about this, that logically, if I'm made in the image of God, there is an implied instilled value. So go back to the analogy or the reality of earthly children. Your kids didn't have to do anything to be valuable to you. They just are. And so part of understanding, part of understanding your value to God is that you came from him. Whether you claim him, purport to know him, try to know him, or even reject him, You came from him. And so I may not like it, and I can argue about it, but it still remains a fact that I'm valuable, whether I feel it or not. So the question now is not whether or not I accept the fact as truth or if I choose to refute it. The the issue is, am I going to live it? Am I going to live out my value? So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue talking about your guaranteed value. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today, and I'm so glad that you did. And thank you also for letting your friends know about it and for really all of your impact on social media. Really appreciate that. It really supports my assistant who does such a great job. Her name is Becca, and she is amazing in what she does in social media for us. So let's complete this whole idea in this last segment about your guaranteed value. And, and what that really means and how you are going to walk it out. You see, I'm convinced that the universe was designed for a reason. And furthermore, I'm convinced that every single person was designed and created for a reason. And I believe every person matters and is uniquely and intrinsically of great value. Now, I am a a retired licensed therapist, and I really like my job now, which is more coaching and pastoring and consulting. And so I really love that. And I love helping people discover 
trust and believe the unique phenomena of who they are. See, we must accept and embrace the fact that we are a one-time-only occurring person. And I want you to really think about that for a moment. There's no way to replicate you. There is no replicant. One-time-only occurring person. So I've committed my life to impassioning and encouraging individuals to live out their value and their uniqueness. And you must resist the world's attempts and compulsion to dismiss, to underrate, and even deny how special you truly are. So we have to commit to discovering how this inside-out job works in each of us, how to claim and walk out our own uniqueness, our true value, which naturally enables each and every one of us to appropriately leave our individual mark on this world. So it is truly an inside-out process and usually requires a lifetime. Now, I'm not sure we're ever going to be able to complete it in our lifetime, and so we must trust the reverberating effect that we have and will have on our world. And I oftentimes remind my clients that the effect, whether it's good or bad, doesn't always matter as much as whether or not I learned from it and whether or not others see me learning from it. This is imperative and respectful of you, of yourself. And it, it helps others to make sure that my success and failures are not in vain. Because they've also contributed to it, I'm sure, in many, many ways. And some people have contributed to my successes and don't even know me. So there's time in value. There's time to take time to value both the successes and the failures. You see, no one can really succeed the way I can. But nobody can screw up the way that I can either. It's always an internal job. And have you ever wished others would have worked it out first inside before it appeared outside for all of us to, to now have to contend with it, right? There's great inertia when it comes from transforming and healing our world one person at a time. This means each and every human is able to offer their unique impact and energy to the world in a way the world may understand and may in turn be able to actually heal. So this might sound corny, ridiculously hopeful, maybe overly altruistic, naive, and even idealistic. But these statements justify the fact that humans are of great value. And it doesn't have a lot to do with their behavior. I think the better our behavior is, the better we feel about ourselves. The better we feel about ourselves, the better our behavior is. We can accomplish so much more if we are not carrying around this huge, big bag of guilt. And so it's very important that you understand guilt is there to help you know you transgressed. Guilt is never there to tell you that you're bad or failure. It's an indicator 
like in your car. It's an indicator that, uh uh-oh, I need to change something. I don't feel good about what I did. I don't feel good about what I said. So I may want to evaluate that. I may want to redo that. Maybe I need to do some repair. And what that does, even if it feels sad or hurtful or yucky, I end up feeling better because that's me living up to my own value. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about this issue of guaranteed value. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you have enjoyed a lot of the social media that we have for you. And thank you for your presence and just kind of giving us, you know, a a heart, a thumbs up that let us know that maybe we are doing our job and making life for you a little more pleasant, maybe easier, maybe helping you do it in a wiser way. So I really believe that... This whole idea that you don't have to be religious to know that something very spiritual about living and existing, that there is something very spiritual about living and existing. And I also believe, and I've experienced in many inexplicable ways, that the only explanation that makes any sense is the idea of a being, an energy, an entity, which is operating on on your behalf, on my behalf with such great love and deference and patience. Now, I call this entity God. So please believe me when I say there is a reason as to why each and every one of us have been created. The amazingly great passion in the creation is seen in so many different ways. Some small interventions or intersection into each of our lives that we're unable to explain or understand. And without question, I grow more and more convinced that these occurrences are just as unique to each of us as in our own inherent uniqueness. See, I I don't know about you, but there have been times I've experienced something that I know is not necessarily human, that it's just too weird and bizarre and, and affects me so deeply and and so it's so timely, and maybe it releases me or heals me in some way or gives me energy or something. You know, and it's like I have to believe that that really is God and that he's really helping me, that he's really reminding me I'm alive for a reason. See, no one sneaks on the planet. Everybody's planned, even though my biological family did not plan me. I used to feel like I snuck on the planet, you know, and I had to prove that I was allowed to be here because nobody planned me or was really waiting for me necessarily to be born, that I kind of in some ways was a big problem, an obstacle. And so I want you to know that even if your arrival was surprising or unplanned or maybe even shadowed by shame and dismay, as was mine, your uniqueness is inexplicable and it's impossible to replicate. And see, that's how you know that even if the humans down here weren't cooperating, God knew he wanted you here. And so the unique impact you are destined to make on your section of the world can only be accomplished through you, 
and only by you. I'm sure that you have heard musicians, singers, actors, you know, do, teachers that may say the same thing that another teacher, actor, musician did, but it was still different. And maybe they did it better than the original. Maybe they did it worse. Maybe they gave it a different kind of feel to it. So I want you to understand that this helped me to recognize why we love fairy tales so much. Because fairy tales always have a good ending. And there's always a struggle. And there's always this hope that the main character finds their way and becomes who they're supposed to be. And so I think that these stories demonstrate three types of stories that actually weave themselves throughout our lives. And this is part of a book that I had written, a little mini book called Can Fairy Tales Be Real? And so I believe that there's these three stories. There's, the first is my story, which is what I want my life to be, what I'm dreaming. Then there's my fa- fairy tale story, And this is what could be, should be, would be, ought to be, right? It's not necessarily reality, but it's what I wish it would be. Like, why can't I have a life like this? Why can't this work out for me? And then the third story we have, that's destiny's story. That's truly why you're here. And so, though this narrative is kind of filled with twists and turns about my adoption and feeling like I'm the other person or an otherness, I'm not fitting in. You know, i kind of going my own way as a young adult. And it is really the very path that led me to this one truth. And that's that God has a story for each and every one of us, which was written before we were ever even conceived. See, if you've ever created anything, Even if you created a schedule, it started first with an idea. Every human was an idea before they became a concrete human. We all were thought up by the creator of the universe. And then he decided to make sure that that idea, that hope, that dream, that passion for that idea would be conceived. And so this is where you have to understand no one leaves the planet without a big story. And we love stories, right? Because stories can inspire us and help us think that maybe life isn't so bad or perhaps convince us that it could be better. And I I love this quote by Daniel Taylor, and he wrote, Our stories tell us who we are why we are here, and what we are to do. So as I reflected on my own life story, I realized that I had these three stories going on simultaneously, kind of like a braid. So the first story for me is the reason why I'm here, and that's a supernatural story that's bigger than me. That's the one that the Creator is unfolding in my life. That's the destiny, right? And the second story is like the story that I'm writing. This is me kind of partnering with the creator and saying, yeah, I think I have a better idea. 
and I'm wanting to write my own story with my own choices and my own outcomes. And then we have this other story, and that's the fairy tale. And that's based on imagination, fantasy, dreams, aspirations, and even escapism. And those are valuable stories. This is why we like entertainment. It kind of takes us out of our life. The problem is, if we are not committed to the story that the designer, the original designer, had started, we are going to then entertain our story far more than we are actually living out our life. We are going to be having control, trying to control our story and live out a fairy tale. So when you think about these three stories and how they play out, I want you to kind of delineate this for yourself. I want you to say, you know, have I ever asked God, the master designer, what my story is? Have I ever talked to him about it? Have I complained about it? Have I argued with him about it? Have I succumbed to it? Have I rejoiced in it? Have I welcomed it? So that story of your creation, the idea that God had of you, requires a lot of merit and time to figure out, okay, God, if you're the one that created me, then I'm going to pose this question to you. And I did. I did. I said, why am I here? What's the point? And I said to God, you know, I'm, I'm a mistake. Nobody planned me. Nobody wanted me. So what's the point? And I really had to learn to trust God about my life. Because I, knowing what my origins were didn't create a lot of trust for me. I thought, you know, I snuck on the planet. I got to prove that, I need, that I'm allowed to be here. I have to work harder than most people do because I wasn't really wanted initially. Right? I wasn't planned. And so I had to really take seriously this idea that there was a point and that there is a creator and that God had a plan. And so then I had to work on, you know, what's my fairy tale? So I can see a lot of things that God may be doing in my life and leading me to do. But I was hanging on to my fairy tale life, the one that I thought that I should have, the one that I believed in. And if any of you have heard that story, I talk all about I quit college, joined all these rock bands. I was going to be a singer and an entertainer, and I loved that stuff. And God simply was not in it in any way. Now, I became a worship pastor, and that was wonderful, and I've done many CDs, and I sing a lot of times to amplify the message that I, that I maybe are presenting at any given venue. But the bottom line is I have come to find that I am made as a healer. I love to heal people. I love to come alongside I love to validate and remove shame and help people figure out what they really are supposed to be doing, why they are here, what their unique impact on this world is. And so it's really important that I trust God as to why I'm here, whether or not I ever really find it out completely. 
that, you know, okay, I can fantasize. I can have a little fantasy life that I think I'm supposed to have or dreams and hopes. But what we always want to do is recognize that there's destiny. Not only were you planned to be here, but now you have to walk out why. Why are you here? And every single thing that any human does, especially when it's done with heart, when it's done with soul, when it's done with passion, that's a good thing. They don't always work out. But the gesture means so much to God and to the people around you. So I don't want you to worry about success. I want you to focus on effort, that you're alive for a reason. You're here because you're listening to this show. And you need to take responsibility for the fact that you're here. What am I doing? And maybe it might be a good idea to consult the creator. You see, if I was a mechanic and the only thing I'd ever worked on were Chevys and somebody brought a Ferrari to my garage, I might have to consult the creator on how that car works. Otherwise, I might ruin it, right? So a wise and humble mechanic would know that he might need some education and some information. So I want you to think about that. Your life is yours. But you have to figure out what it really is, what it's made for, what it's good for, what it enjoys doing, what's natural to it. And I want you to really take this on and recognize that God did a lot of work and effort and thought and foresight when he created you. And he sees you as extremely valuable, having nothing to do with your behavior. Your behavior, good or bad, is what affects your life. It doesn't affect how God feels about you. It doesn't affect your worth and value. This is why it's so imperative that you understand these three stories and your inherent guaranteed value. See, when I really understood that I was trying to make my story work and I was trying to convince God, I recognized and came to find that he still wanted me anyways, even if I was fighting with him that there was a reason I was here and that I have more to discover and more to uncover, more truths to be found and to live and to experience. God bless you. You are alive for a reason. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. 
If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 